And so, and the whole point of a core event is that it's the highest point of that genre. It's why you do the genre at all. Hello, and welcome to the Story Toolkit. I'm Basim El-Wakil, co-author of Action, The Art of Excitement with Robert McKee, and joining me is Luke Lionel, writer and part of the McKee Storylog team. So today, we're going to talk about Gone Girl, which is a movie. That's <laughs> Correct. Well done. With um, Rosamund Affleck and Ben Pike, directed by David Fincher. This is the shortest time in which you've lost it. It's fine. I didn't have it to lose. <laughs> we're going to talk about Gone Girl. We are. Uh, and as usual, any follow-up questions, get in touch through uh, the Twitter. We are at the Story Toolkit. Uh, or the website, at thestorytoolkit.wordpress.com. And of course, the website has all the contact info, so you can just click on that. And there's all these little buttons that I made. They're pretty. Click on them. That's <laughs> true. Let's get into it. Gone okay. Girl. Gone Girl. So, a girl gets gone. The end. And what can we learn from that, Luke? We can learn a lot. Uh, we can learn about how girls are gone. And other times, things that are gone are girls. Hope Thank you enjoyed you for listening. <laughs> so, Gone Girl, for those of you who don't know, Gone Girl is a film that came out last year. Like, uh, spring last year, right? Spring 2015. And uh, the film is totally messed up and will destroy any relationship you have with a woman. Because the premise of Gone Girl... By the way, if you haven't seen Gone Girl... Oh, spoiler. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is going to get spoiled for you. Uh, so, first of all, giving you a little chance, Ben Affleck is excellent in it. Rosamund Pike is excellent in it. David Fincher does a return to form in his directing, and it's written by Gillian... Uh, uh, Gillian Flynn. Gillian Flynn, who did a great job. With it was this, actually 2014. Oh, well, in America it might have come out in 2014, no. but here it came out in 2015. Okay. I think. It can't be that old, can it? One of the books, 2012, isn't it? Maybe it came out two years ago. I don't know. Anyway. Anyway. (laughs) Regardless, uh, it came out at some point in the past, as opposed to the future, and it's a very good film. Basically, Gone Girl is uh, is a crime story. And what happens in Gone Girl, I'm warning you, spoilers. Uh, Gone Girl works like this. Ben Affleck um, is having, like, an estrangement from his wife. Rosamund Pike and he comes home one day in the morning and there's blood all over the kitchen floor and she's missing and so point, actually there's not blood they don't just, there's a bit of blood oh there's a bit of blood oh there's a broken out. table yeah that's right right okay uh, there's broken table and so it looks like she might have been kidnapped yeah so he calls the police to find out whether what's going on and they come in then they find that blood is all over the kitchen floor but it's been cleaned up they find traces yeah. of blood there, of her blood. And they keep finding more and more things. And as they're finding more and more clues, we keep going into the backstory and finding out more and more about their relationship. Uh, and we find out her, her, this about her relationship from her diary, because she's been keeping a diary all these years of their relationship. And it turns out Ben Affleck is a monster of a man. He abuses her. He's horrible to her. And so we start putting it together and we realise that Ben has been cheating on her as well. He's been cheating on her. We know he's been cheating. We see the woman he's been cheating on her with. And the media start picking this up and it becomes very tawdry and, um, and ugly. And it starts to make it look like Ben Affleck has killed his wife. Yeah, it's the first hour of the movie you really begin to hate. Yeah, it looks like Ben Affleck has killed his wife and and made it look like a kidnapping so he can get away with it. And just as it's getting worse and worse, and then he he starts, he finds her diary, and he... No, the the police... The police find her diary, uh, which incriminates him. Yeah, he's following a list of clues that she's... Left. Uh, there is a storm outside. It's, and that a, it's a bit windy here, but it's fine. <laughs> it's appropriate for this. Imagine it's nighttime and uh, there's lightning. Ah. Uh, but and Trent Reznor music in the background. But he's um, he's following a list of, of things that she's left for him. Yeah, an anniversary um, uh, tradition. Uh, yeah, is that this this little treasure hunt? Um, so he's following this this little list of clues, which is leading him to places. Um, of his infidelity. Yes. So it's clear that she, she knows knew. about it. And then the he, final clue leads to. Yeah. It uh, leads to this big 
uh, shed, right? Yeah, the wood shed outside a sister's um, a part, uh, sister's house, which is filled with items that she has bought on under his name on credit cards, and she's she's racked up under his name like over a hundred thousand pounds worth of credit card debt. Yeah. That's right, and that is the point that it cuts to. Well, that's 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 the big incriminating thing. Like that gives yeah. him motive to kill her. Yeah, everything, and that's yeah. That's when it cuts to Rosamund Pike, and you realise she's framed him. Yeah, that this is none of this has happened. That she's still alive, and in fact, what she's done is she hates him so much. She's basically she's made it look like she's killed, like he killed her, and is tried to make it look like a kidnapping. She's then going to wait, watch him get destroyed, and then kill herself. And when they find the body, it'll reaffirm the story that he killed her. That's her plan. And she's pulling it off, right? And so that's terrifying. <laughs> and uh, but it doesn't keep it doesn't it, that, that doesn't play out the way she wants it to, does it? No. What happens next? Uh, well, she gets undone while she's on the run. She, her her nest egg of money um, is is uh, stolen. Yeah. So she gets robbed, um, which means she has to improvise, and she ends up going to live with Neil um, Patrick Neil Harris. Patrick Harris. Yes. Who is uh, an old flame from twenty years ago. Yes. Um, who is rich um, and and spoils her, and yeah. she lives with him for about a. Uh, for about three or four weeks, I yeah. think. And, and while this is happening, Ben Affleck is trying to work out what's going on, and he finds an old boyfriend of hers who she did the same thing to. She claims that she raped him. Yeah. That he raped her. Yeah. So he, she made him have sex with her in a forceful way, then claimed it was rape. And so this guy's like on the sexual offenders list. Like his life has pretty much been destroyed by this woman, and uh, he, he's never been able to recover because of the, the, uh, the stigma attached to the fact that he's supposedly a convicted rapist when in fact he isn't uh, so she did that and so of course this guy Neil Patrick Harris he's like a tech genius right and yeah. he has all these cameras security cameras in his home and the te- yeah the big turning point comes when uh, Ben Affleck goes on television to uh, initially to um, uh, confess to the infidelity because he hires this big shot lawyer that's yes. that's, um, that's going to help him yeah um, played and- brilliantly by Tyler Perry Right. Um, he's really good. And, uh, yeah, he's going to confess the infidelity. And literally minutes before the interview, the girl that he's been sleeping with does the same thing at a press conference. She confesses yeah. to it. So there's there's lots at stake in this interview. He agrees to do it anyway and gives the best interview and basically makes America fall in love with him. Yes. Which is this complete turn of events and puts um, uh, Rosamund Pike's character on the back foot. Yeah. So she realises now that she has to to do something. Yeah. Um, so she she does she does the most horrible thing. She uses the security cameras to make it look like Neil Patrick Harris has raped her. Uh, and the way she does that is she uh, c- covers herself if I'm right. She she does a thing where um, she kisses him off the camera but she has him but she bites she his bu- lip yeah so, he, so he's bleeding so when he yeah. leaves the house the camera picks him up re- recording with his lip yeah. being bl- bled and like he's tucking in his shirt because she untucked his shirt yeah. so it looks like he's left just after having raped her basically yeah. and then she rushes into the camera and it looks like she's bleeding everywhere because she's covered herself in yeah and she's tied something around her leg um, and yes. she's, she's in tears by the, yeah. by the window and so she puts on this incredible performance yeah. that makes it look like she's just been raped and then later on she, she's tied thing, she's tied string around her wrist and given yep. herself um, bruises mar- bruises and, and marks and and eventually, um, uh, when um, when she she finally sleeps with Neil Patrick Harris, uh, just as uh, they are finishing, or he is finishing, she slits his throat, um, and just is covered in blood. And the next time you see her, it's her turning up in front of all the media cameras, um, battered, bruised, covered in blood. Um, uh-huh. Uh, and walking up to the house with Ben Affleck waiting. Yeah. And you have this wonderful scene where she staggers into his arms and he whispers in her ear, you fucking bitch. <laughs> and she falls, she flops into his arms all for the for the camera. Um, and for, for, 
for me, I'd, I've seen this movie twice now. I saw it last year and then saw, uh, actually rewatched it last night. And I had forgotten that there was any movie after that. That's oh, yeah. how good that is. Yeah, that, that's act two. Uh, yeah. The rest of the film <laughs> yeah. uh, is him and her trying to, like, what are they going to do now? He knows what she's done. She knows he knows that she knows. And uh, they're kind of like, but the media's watching them and they're wondering what's happening. The story that plays out is that Neil Patrick Harris is the one who kidnapped her. She So... Yeah. And has been raping her. Um, the detective doesn't buy it because she's been hanging out with Ben Affleck and she knows there's certain things that don't fit. For example, the diary doesn't fit anymore. The diary that incriminated Ben Affleck no longer fits the story that she's been just simply kidnapped. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So she's so the detective has noticed that this is not true, but no one else is buying it. Everyone else is buying the sort of media but it's, narrative. it's not enough for her to carry on. She even says... We we have to stop investigating. Yeah, there's nothing they can do about it. Yeah. So and then so like Ben Affleck is like I, I've had enough of her. I'm going to leave her. But then she ha- it turns out that Rosamund Pike is pregnant with Affleck's baby, and Affleck is like I want to look after the kid. What do I do? What do I do? They're about to have the big interview uh, with her, and it's like does Ben Affleck expose her on television? Does he just admit to the whole thing and damn the baby, or what does he do? What does he do? And he just stays silent. And the film ends with the same exact shot as it had at the beginning. And the beginning of the film, you have Ben Affleck uh, stroking Rosamund Pike's head as she's lying on his chest. And he's just thinking to himself, what have we done to each other? Right? And at the beginning, you think, oh, this, this is why this... You think, okay, this guy is going to kill his wife. And at the end, he goes, you know, what have we done to each other? And you go, I think he's going to kill his wife, right? <laughs> and um, uh, you're not too sure, but, like, they're trapped in this thing. She's kind of managed to she's won right she's got her kid she's Ben Affleck can't leave her she's pulled off whatever it is she wanted she's completely insane and um, it occurred to me in the rewatching yesterday that a woman smart enough to um, because she spends a long time setting up this like a year or something planting all the seeds she, she spends she murder. spends a whole year planning this yeah, thing out it's meticulously cold. writing a diary in different exactly. pens yeah. so that they run out yeah. Things like that, um, and then and then when that play, plan goes wrong, is smart enough and cold enough to re to improvise this other brilliant plan. Yes, this alternative to how like, yeah. you know it wasn't she wasn't killed. Actually, she was kidnapped by this old boyfriend. Right, it's just ah, oh. it's yeah, Ooh, uh, chilling. Hilariously, uh, hilariously, I went to see that when I went to see this film in the cinema. <laughs> uh, my friend Stu. Uh, he he had just started dating uh, someone called Joe, who's his fiance now, and um, and he listens to the podcast. By the way, hey Stu. Uh, so Stu, um, I asked Stu. I said, Stu, do you want to see Gone Girl tonight? And he's like, No, I'm going to go see it with Joe. And I presumed he was going to go to a different cinema than the one I went to. And I went to the same cinema as him. And afterwards, I came out and I saw him with Joe. It's like their second or third date. And I'm like, Stu, you have clearly picked the wrong film to take your date to. <laughs> this is not a date movie at all. And uh, Joe's a psychologist. She could destroy Stu. <laughs> it's true. You heard it here first. Um, yeah. Okay, so the point of this all is... Don't trust women. <sighs> Thank you for listening. <laughs> Seriously, like, it's terrifying. It's such a nightmare. Uh, it's so horrifying. It really is. And the thing is, like, you thought Ben Affleck did it, right? That's what you thought too. I'm just saying, I wouldn't. Batfleck would never do something so heinous. Well, that's true. Mm. He is the Batman now. Anyway, come on. I feel like I need to prod you harder towards a point. I'm just scared. <laughs> like talking about the film is just There's reminding so much me just resistance how, to actually how scary this today. So no, no, I'm happy to teach. Come on, this. crime stories. It's a crime story. Okay, it's a crime story. It's about. It's from the point of view of the victim. Uh, which is Ben Affleck. Um, you think you're not sure which if he's criminal or victim, at first. Yeah, uh, and as it goes on and on, you start uh, you start you're not you're not sure, and then eventually you find out okay he is actually the victim of this whole thing, um, and so uh, you know crime stories delineate depending on the point of view of the protagonist: are they the detective, the criminal, or the victim? And uh, actually, at some point in this movie, Ben Affleck plays all three of those parts uh, to an extent. To an extent, yeah. Uh, I mean, if you want uh, a story where the protagonist is all of them, uh, the, the film called Prisoners. 
Okay. Uh, Hugh Jackman and okay. Jake Gyllenhaal. That one. We'll is... come to some other examples. But later, that's but, but that's that's a whole yeah. other thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, we can do a podcast on prisoners another time. Um, but so this one, so he's the victim of the crime story, and in the crime story, you know, it's about it's an intriguing story about justice and injustice and how. Uh, the crime will either be avenged or how they'll get away with it. So, you know, if you're watching a heist story, you're kind of going, how will they get away with the crime? If you're watching a detective story, it's like, how are they going to catch the guy? You know, how are they going to catch the criminal? Uh, and so that's that's kind of the thing here. And in this one, at first you're asking, you know, who who done what? Mm. Right? Who done what? What's actually happened? <laughs> what happened and who did it? Exactly. Then you find out what happened and who did it. And now the big question is, are they going to catch her? Are yeah. they going to get her? Um, and that's the, importantly, that's the big question of the movie is, are they going to catch that, her? That's the big question of any crime story. Are they going to catch the criminal? Even yeah. if the criminal yeah. is Danny Ocean, are they going to catch Danny? Sure. Right? Are they going to catch them? And in order to... The, the core event of a crime story is the exposure of the criminal. It doesn't necessarily mean that the criminal has to get caught or that the criminal ends up in jail. The criminal can get away with it. The point is, whatever the story world is, to that world, the protagonist is exposed... Not the protagonist, but the criminal is exposed to that world for what they did. Yeah. Now, they might get away with it, they might not. So, for example, uh, a wonderful film, I love this film, Fracture, I don't know if you've seen this. I've not seen Star- it. Starring Ryan Gosling and Anthony Hopkins. Right. It's basically Columbo the movie. Uh, <laughs> it opens with Anthony Hopkins killing his wife. You see him do it. You see him do the whole thing. And immediately he's arrested. Because all the evidence is there. Yeah. And he's put up in court. And Ryan Gosling's like, it's an open and shut case. And then what you do is you, you watch Anthony Hopkins so completely get the case thrown out. Piece by piece. Even though everyone knows he did it. And it's really cool. It's called Fracture it's a really nice simple story but the exposure of the criminal in Fracture is the inciting incident right it opens with him exposed everyone knows he did it yeah whereas other times more commonly the exposure of the criminal happens at the end I'm thinking know, like in the typical um, like Poirot, like Poirot. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, like yeah. and it was you monsieur and the, <gasps> like that okay so so the exposure can happen at the beginning can happen at the end the criminal can get away with it the criminal might get arrested for it Danny Ocean gets exposed right at the end of Ocean's Eleven he admits yeah he says I did the whole thing and Andy Garcia lets him go yeah right so they can get away with it or not get away with it but the point is they get exposed if they're never exposed it doesn't it doesn't work right it doesn't feel right to an audience it, it feels completely wrong for example imagine imagine a story where the detective is chasing a, a criminal, right? Say the criminal, you know, he has this weird en- enigmatic name. He's called the Wizard, right? And he's like a pedophile and he steals kids and all that kind of stuff. And like, you've got the detective and the detective's hounding him. Like, the detective's put everything on the line. His reputation's on the line. Everything's on the line. And they, you never find out who the Wizard is. The Wizard's never exposed. In fact, not only is the wizard never exposed, he dies in a car accident at random on the way to the big finale and so never gets there and so the detective never meets the wizard. No one believes the wizard even exists and that's the end of the film. You don't have to imagine it. It's actually a film. It's called The Pledge. Uh, <laughs> this is an actual film. Really? Yeah, it's called The Pledge and The Pledge is... The Pledge, I rented it from Blockbusters. In the past, future children, there was a thing called Blockbusters. It was like Netflix, except not. You would go to Blockbusters and you'd rent out videos. I don't know how many of you even remember. If if there's someone listening to this podcast and you don't know what Blockbuster video was, I hate you. But more importantly, (laughs) Blockbuster... And we've lost I don't care. So Blockbuster video is a thing. That used to be that. And I went to Blockbuster Video and I rented the pledge and I went back the next day and I went, this was terrible. I want my money back. It is the only time I ever did this. <laughs> and the guy goes, is it really that bad? I'm like, yes. And so he gave me my money back. <laughs> um, but the pledge, um, Jack Nicholson is the detective and the whole film is he's pursuing this, this pedophilic murderer called the wizard. And you never see the wizard. You never know who he is. And he, uh, no joke, he dies in a random car accident on the way to the big sting that Jack Nicholson has set up that will expose him. It's, I'm not joking, it's just the most stupidly annoying film. And so, like, it's a whodunit. Well, even the writer doesn't know, right? Like, no one knows. So, you expose, <laughs> you expose the criminal. Maybe they get away with it. 
maybe people eventually don't buy it. So actually, I don't think they were the bad guy after all. Whatever. But the point is they're exposed to their story world, however yeah. big the world is. If it's two people, they're exposed to those two people. If if it's more than that. So like Dexter made this mistake because Dexter yeah. got exposed to some of his world, but he never got exposed to Miami Metro. Yeah. Um, Patty Hughes never got exposed in Damages, which was a mistake. Um, and so you expo- you know, then you look at Breaking Bad and Breaking Bad exposed Heisenberg to his whole world, right? Yeah. Everyone in in his world found out that he was Heisenberg. Um, so we want to see them exposed. It doesn't necessarily mean they have to get caught. It doesn't necessarily mean they have to get arrested. We just they have to be exposed fully for what they did and to the whole world. So it's not just oh they can't just be a little bit exposed. They have to be exposed fully, right? That's the core event. Without it, it's rubbish, like the pledge, right? Or Dexter's very unsatisfying, and damages is very unsatisfying. I think for me, it's yeah. it's always that that feeling that something's missing. It's yeah. that not being satisfied. Certainly yeah. with with Dexter, there's just there's something missing. Yeah, it's, it feels like that didn't really end. Damages, damages was excellent. I love that show, but the last season, the fifth season, focused a lot on Patty Hughes as the criminal, and she never gets exposed. And it's just like this is really anticlimactic. Mm. Um, and so, and the whole point of a core event is that it's the highest point of that genre. It's why you do the genre at all. The whole point of a crime story is intrigue and the justice and justice. So you want that moment where the criminal is exposed because that's when justice and justice turns at its, at its biggest value. And it's when it's at its most intriguing because you're just about to have the criminal yeah. all the answers, right? So that's why you want that scene. If you're writing crime and you don't want to do that, it doesn't make much sense. Like, why are you writing crime at all? So, after all this, now you may ask the question, Gone Girl doesn't have it, right? Yeah. We just explained the plot. Gone Girl doesn't expose Rosamund Pike. She doesn't get exposed. She only gets exposed to Ben Affleck and maybe kind of the detective. Um, and the sister maybe yeah that's it she doesn't get exposed to the most like the biggest part of that story which is the media yeah right so when we're sitting there and we're watching Ben Affleck and he's going to go and have that interview and we're wondering is he or isn't he going to expose her on live television and he chooses not to he we don't get the exposure scene yet the film is still really really satisfying so why is it that this film can get away with it, whereas the pledge, Dexter, damages, they don't? How come Gungol does? Well, there's two reasons. Two reasons. The first reason is it's the protagonist's choice not to do it. He can expose her and he doesn't. Okay? If Ben Affleck never had that choice, it, would, it might be really unsatisfying. But because he makes that decision, it's, it's more palatable to us. It's part of his crisis decision. Not yeah, it's, to... it's his crisis decision, and he chooses not to expose her. Yeah, it doesn't feel like you see one of the. He's pro- not killed. There's no car crash taking away the choice. Yeah, if you exactly, if you watch a film that's really sort of upbeat and happy, and everyone just gets what they want all the time, it's really frustrating, right? Because you can just go, well, you're just giving them everything they want. This is really stupid. Yeah. Well, it's the same if everything is bad all the time, right? It's like, oh, the vel- of course they won. You stack the deck against the the hero unfairly, yeah. you know. It's just, of course, they won. You wanted them to win. So having Ben Affleck make that choice removes any sort of sourness from it. Like he actually could have exposed and he didn't, means that it gives it something more to it. And what it gives really is the meaning of the film, and the meaning of Gone Girl. The whole point of Gone Girl is that the reason criminals can get away with what they do is because they manipulate people. They manipulate the media. They manipulate the justice system. Criminals get away with it because they know how to play on everyone else. Okay? They know how to tug at people's heartstrings. They know how to lie. They know how to manipulate. So, and what happens is, what's beautiful is, the media trial in Gongo, the whole point of it is that people are so hungry for justice that they'll rapidly just jump onto this narrative and they, that's what the media trial is, right? It's this, this hunger for justice. Yeah. And so Gone Girl leaves you hungry for justice because it says, look, she's totally manipulated everyone and she's not, never going to get exposed. And so what's the feeling you get at the end? It's like you want her got. Right? You just sit there and you're like, I want, I want this woman exposed so badly and it's never going to happen. That frustration, which is, of course, what Ben Affleck is feeling and so on. So the whole meaning of this film is that desire to have the, 
the people exposed for who they are and yet being unable to even though you know they did it and so Gongo by removing the core event by having Ben Affleck choose not to do it furthers its controlling idea which is why it's satisfying so the the whole point of the movie yeah obviously the controlling idea is the point of any movie but the controlling idea takes into account this idea that she's not going to get exposed yeah the fact that she got away with it yeah which is expressed through his crisis decision at the climax of the movie she got away with it um, because uh, people get manipulated and um, it's justice just won't come to these people because these people these people know how to manipulate people into not believe you know not even thinking that they can do it it's, uh, it's worth it's a thought just occurred to me um it's it's worth pointing out the pains that Gillian Flynn has gone to to express that point like yeah. she's she's not said okay you know what I'll just never expose him just because it's yeah. not like a castaway yeah a throwaway decision this yeah. isn't some kind of you know what I'm just not going to put this core event in yeah. in this because yeah. she like, yeah. she has deliberately used that yeah. to uh, enrich her story and yeah. enrich the idea she, the way it would seem is that Flynn what she's done is she, she wants to tell a story the fact that this is written by a woman really surprised me when you told me because I presumed it was written by a man because it is the it's the total sort of men's right activist nightmare um, <laughs> I mean there was a film called uh, The Life and Trial of David Gale starring Kevin Spacey um, years ago where he plays a guy who so who gets framed for raping someone and then uh, get is then arrested for murdering someone, and it turns out that he didn't that he it wasn't murdered with euthanasia. And the whole point of this is that he wants to be put on death row and executed because the only way to get rid of death row is to prove that an innocent person can be executed on death row. That's his plan. It's kind of a really contrived thing, um, but that played in a similar space for some of it because of what happens to him with the rape case which is this idea and it does happen like as terrible as it is it does happen that women do do this to men just as you have men who like they'll hurt women and no one believes them you know that horrible thing where it's yeah. like no one believes the rape victim right well at the same time it the other side does happen which is that women lie mm. and get men in trouble like and it, or you it, you know uh, what's it called the sports celebrities right they get into this trouble like for every sports celebrity that um, is a horrible person, there seems to be a sports celebrity who's like had a one night stand and now is now going to have to pay for it for the rest of his life, you know. So the both sides of this horrible situation, like everyone's, it's just like these things do exist. And so Gone Girl is talks about the fact that yeah, you know what, there are women out there who are so Machiavellian that they know how to manipulate people and destroy people's lives by playing the victim card, when in fact they're not the victim at all. Um, and Gongol, the fact that it's written by a woman is even more brilliant, because that means she has, she really, she ha- like, I, I just presumed, like, I'm watching, like, this is the, this is the, like, the male nightmare, of just like, <laughs> there's no one is going to believe me that I didn't do this to my wife, because the narrative is so unequivocally, men are monsters, like, there's, there's no way, that this is no one's going to believe me. So she wrote this, and I'm just like, well, yeah, this is a, this is the this is a real terror that can happen. Um, and she used that the fact that you know that the, the, all this manipulation to point out that like this media by trial stuff is terrifying. And the- it's not a court of law, and people buy this stuff, and and it's a bit like uh, when we talked about the night of simply being a suspect is enough to destroy your life mm. um, and it doesn't matter what the evidence is like just being suspected of a crime is enough to destroy it occurred it. to me when watching it that um, uh, certainly before I, before I understood what it was about exactly um, that they were leaning very heavily on um, on uh, TV uh, based exposition mm. like at the beginning there's a lot a lot of information given through um uh, through these presenters, yeah, but clearly that's a choice yeah. well made because it's the whole point of the movie. Um, 
or part of the point of the movie mm. um, is that they keep switching to these TV presenters who are, yeah. you know, the judge and jury yeah. um, of these guys. To the point where when um, there's that great scene when Ben Affleck um, talks uh, at the vigil, uh, the vigil yeah, for, yeah, yeah. Um, for his wife, uh, and in an instant, um, the neighbour comes along and starts screaming like, where's your wife, you killed your wife? And the crowd just turns because... The media at that point had had planted the seeds yeah. and had been pushing this yeah. narrative that he did it, and the the he ends up running away from the crowd yeah. with like hundreds of people chasing him. Yeah. An hour later in the movie, he's giving this yeah. interview saying, "Yeah, I cheated on my wife, but I I love her. Yes, you know she's my world. Um, and we know he's lying. And we know he's lying through his teeth. And he gives that secret message to her in the interview yeah. you know, when he says like." Uh, you know, I've I've gone to the woodshed and back for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's great, but yeah, that's when everybody falls back in love with him. Yeah, and it's like the media holds so much power. Yeah, and and this the the film is really taking it to task for that because it's it's like the reason people are doing that is that they are hungry for justice, but at the same time, it's like yeah, and guess what? Guess who's going to manipulate your hunger for justice? Like the lawyers. Uh, people who want ratings and the criminals themselves like that's how they're going to get away with it and it's like that's how they get away with it now it's like they use the media to get away with their crimes and um and so the and and so that frustration that desire for justice permeates the whole film because the film doesn't end with her even being exposed and you're like ah she didn't even he he, he could have exposed and he didn't right so that frustration is the point of the film in that sense that like that sense of frustration that sense of powerlessness uh, it's, that's the whole nature of the film so the fact that he doesn't expose her plays into what the story is about yeah and that's why it's okay which if is that makes yeah. sense like that's yeah, yeah. why it works if you if you actually had him on the screen expose her that would be the upending hollywood <laughs> version right of the film and it wouldn't be satisfying it would betray the na- notion of the film yeah, exactly. That which is that criminals it, know how to manipulate. It would feel totally incongruous to the rest of yeah, the tone it, of the rest of the movie. It would just be you'd have to rewrite the whole film. Yeah. Right? And it what and what would that film say at the end? Uh always stand up. Always op- be honest and open about yeah. you know. And it's just like whatever I'm sure movies like that exist. Yeah, sure they happen all like the time. Exist, yeah. They happen all the time. That's the that's the thing. But Gone Girl, you see people, you know, like, oh do I have to do this? It's like you don't have to do anything. If you don't want a core event in the story, that's fine. Like I said you know, I said earlier, if you're gonna write a crime story, you want the core event because that's like, the best bit. Like that's the why wouldn't you want to do that? But it's like well Gone Girl tells you why you wouldn't, because you have something that can only be expressed by removing the core event. Mm. If you put the core event in, it won't be expressed. Mm. So the fact that we're waiting, because we understand genre, we're waiting the whole film for it to finally be exposed. We know this is going to happen by convention. We're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. He has the opportunity to do it. We're waiting, and he doesn't do it. And what are we left with? Oh, when you say as well... She, oh, we can't do it. Oh, <laughs> she's done it, she did it. And like we're trapped. We're trapped in this nightmare of a woman. I hate her so much. Like That's, that's how it ends. And you just say, yeah. Too bad. That's like this happens to people. This is what people. Some people have to live with. Yeah. And it's like the, the, you know what was the what was that documentary? Uh, Making of a murderer. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. That that's that. It's like yeah. Guess what? The police in this case are the people who who just like yeah. They don't. They are actively putting an innocent man behind bars. They know who he's innocent because they 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 hate him and he's embarrassed them one too many times. And like that guy's now living in prison. Yeah. And he can't do anything. Like his whole life's been taken away by them. Right, but just going back to the point um, you made when you said we understand genre, that's not that's not me and you. That everybody has yeah. this uh, understanding of genre. Which yeah, you is just why, intuitive. Yeah, yeah it's in, that's it. That's the one. You intuitive. It's intuitive. Um, this is why when you watch Dexter and you get to the final season, just you know that something is missing. Yeah, but you well, can't tell what. But you can't tell what necessarily. Yeah. This is this is what this is what's missing. Um, uh, and also, like, uh, it's it's one of those things. Like, if you go to a comedy, you expect to laugh, right? Right. But you don't necessarily understand the mechanisms of laughter. But you right. just know if I go, it should be funny, right? Yeah. You go to a crime story. It's like okay, I expect. You just expect it to be like interesting and intriguing. Yeah. That's what people will say. It's like, yeah. But I think it's it's just worth again pausing on this idea of the core event and just how it is such um, an essential or powerful tool in your story. Yeah. That the 
the absence of it if you're going to do it you know absolutely yeah. take that risk but you have to know what yeah you have to you, you have, have to, to kind of get it like it, for. it it's it's such like gone girl has a social drama aspect to it as well um the commentary on the media yeah it's yeah. very slight but there is that element to it and um it but it's just one of those things like i would never recommend yeah cut the core of <laughs> i never Get recommend it. it but gone girl is just one of those things where it's like yeah that works um you know if i was given if someone said to, someone that gave me a screenplay like gone girl to read i wouldn't say yeah you need to fit in the core event do you know what I mean? I wouldn't. Yeah. I, it, it, that doesn't make sense. It's just like no, it's working. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because just because it's not there doesn't mean you have to put it. Yeah, in. and people don't get like you get as an artist. You get to pick what the point of the work is. So you can choose a goal that runs contrary to like basic conventions. That's if you want to. Hmm. So you can say I want to tell a type of story that doesn't do this because I can then express this meaning. Go for it. Comes with such a caveat, though, because if, if it's you just think, super... if you think, like how how many stories could we name? How many? Sorry, just mm. limit this to crime. How many crime stories could we name where this core event is missing and the story works? I can only think of Gone Girl. I can't right. think of another one. And now think of how many crime stories there are, and or how many we've ever seen. Yeah. And realize that well, the ones that work will have that scene in it like it's such a unique generally the, the best the best crime stories are the ones with the best core events right the ones where the criminal is exposed those scenes where they're the best scenes those are the best crime stories like it's really rare you get a crime story that's really good and doesn't have a good core of, like any story in any genre if the core event is weak typically the, the whole work is halved sure and Gone Girl get, just makes it work. Gone Girl, the meaning of the story is only expressible because it doesn't have that core event. If it had the core event, you'd, ha- you'd have to do it in another way. You'd, yeah. ha- you'd have to find a way to expose... Like, because she gets exposed to us and exposed to Ben Affleck, but she doesn't get exposed to the media. Yeah. So she gets exposed everywhere except that. And that's the bit we're waiting for. Well, it's it's that's about the final just, bit. She can be exposed to us, and she can be she can be exposed to Affleck. But if these stories about justice and justice, that's not justice. No. Us knowing about it is injustice. What no. we're waiting for is the media who right. have trialed everybody else right. in there to turn around and say she is guilty. And, and we've been waiting for it the whole film. Yeah. I would argue Gone Girl wouldn't work if it was a TV series. Because we'd be waiting too long. We've been waiting that. too long. Sure. Uh, Even so, we're still wait. It's still two and a half hour. Yeah, movie. but it's it's a it's a single film. Sure. Yeah. It, there's a big difference between. Uh, it's really strange. There's a really big difference between if I say to you, watch this two and a half hour film, or I say watch these two one hour episodes of a television series. There's actually a really big difference. Yes, because when you start telling the audience that it's coming in installments, the mind shifts what they expect. You just shift. Yeah? Yeah. Once you say it's in an installment, it, you're, you you stop thinking about stories in the same way. Um, so, I would argue, yeah, if it was, if it, maybe if it was like two episodes, okay. But if you had like a mini-series, like eight episodes, like The Night Of, hmm. it wouldn't be satisfying. I don't think. Um... Okay. I mean, I say that because the night the night hub is more social drama than crime story, right? Yeah, because this is and that doesn't where... have a core event. No, I, that, the criminal's never exposed in the night of either. No, but it's satisfying in a different way. Yeah, it's satisfying because, it's because of the social that. drama. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, so Gone Girl. Um, I guess I guess that would be the thing. If you were to take Gone Girl and turn it into a TV series, it would have to be like the night of. You'd, fo- you'd focus more on the media. Sure. Whereas in the film, you focus more on um, the crime. Because you have less time. And so yeah. it's okay that you go, you do this, and then you're out. Plus, it's really intriguing. Like, the crime is really fantastic, and the way it's done. Oh, it's so good, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So, and there's two. She does it twice. Yeah. You, <laughs> and also, also, there is an out. Like, it's not... See, the problem with the pledge is you don't even know who the wizard is. Seriously, screw that film, right? <laughs> <laughs> you don't know anything about it. 
in this, you know everything. You know everything. Right. It, you know Ben Affleck could have done it, and if he did, you know how it would have probably played out. Yeah. Right? It would been this huge mudslinging thing, and she probably would have got away with it anyway, because no one would have believed him, right? But you know how it could have played out. You can see that scene, and the fact that you didn't go down that road is very frustrating, right? That you didn't get your happy ending. It's very frustrating. But if you didn't even know she did it, you know, <laughs> like, it would just, like... Do you see what I mean? It's it it yeah. you it's almost everything is there in in Gone Girl. It's just not fully played out. Can I? Um... It there's there's a huge like I say there's no core event. It's like it's almost the core event, and then it, but then it just shies away. And by the way, once it does, it goes to the end of the film and credits. Yeah. It doesn't linger after that, right? It just goes. Yeah, you're not getting an answer. Boom, done. The out. last shot, by the way, the last frame is perfect because the, yeah. the news presenter rushes over to Rosamund Pike. They're hugging each other because she's just announced she's having a baby. Yeah. Uh, the look on Ben Affleck's face yeah. is what I'm talking about particularly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he is just staring at the floor and you just realise he's trapped. Yeah, he's uh, trapped. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, I'm going to signal really a left turn here because I think it's <coughs> worth bringing up um, Mad Max because it was brought up uh, on yes. Twitter as part of a conversation one oh, of our yes. listeners brought it up because yes. um, we were talking about the um, uh, the core event of action yes. which is the hero at the mercy of the villain yeah um, I forget what we were talking about in the episode now I, but yeah uh, but we were we had mentioned the, the hero at the mercy of villain um, and that you need it because for the same reasons yeah. this is the point of going to see an action movie yeah it's the most exciting bit yeah, it's the most time. exciting bit yeah. the point of an action movie is to be excited that is the most exciting bit I yeah. remember now it's part of the Doctor Strange podcast yeah. because they don't quite get there no it's almost but not quite yeah. it's, it's never really helpless yeah although I would argue they go sort of beyond that but as I did in the podcast anyway point being mm. Um, as a result of the Strange podcast, uh, we had a listener uh, bring up um, Mad Max. Yes. Um, now, the core event in Mad Max is it missing. It was Stephen Chone, wasn't it? Was it Stephen Chone? I think so. Okay. Even so, um, yeah, the core event in Mad Max is missing. It's an action yes. story and you don't have the hero at the mercy of the villain. Right, yeah. Um, but... Yeah, yeah, that's right. I remember the Twitter thing because they said at the beginning... Yeah, and I go. said no. He's not helpless at the beginning. He's yeah. just trapped. He's yeah, he's trapped. Uh, but he's not helpless. So but Mad Max Fury Road. This is the fourth one, which was yeah. really good. I re- I really loved it. Yeah, it's great. But this is this. But is it doesn't point. have a mercy scene. It's a great. It's a great film. It works, but it doesn't have a mercy. It does, scene. And it doesn't. And it's and because it doesn't have a mercy scene, it's what stops it from being great. Ah, okay. So that's the difference. It yeah. doesn't get away with it. It's actually it's a weakness in the film. Um, the film opens and he's. His, he's attacked, his car is destroyed, he's kidnapped by a bunch of guys, and then they sort of strap him to another car and use him as a sort of uh, blood bag. And they drain his blood and and so on. Um, but he's never helpless. He's trapped. He's he's angry, shaking. Like he, he, You know that all it will take is just one like slight brief moment and he'll break out of those chains and just kill everyone right sure so he's not helpless uh, and then as the film goes on it's really well done the choreography is great the carnage the the yeah, pacing the the act, it's just it's so so well done the film um, it's really brilliant but there's never a scene where Max is at anyone's mercy and neither is Furiosa played by Charlize Theron Neither one of them is ever truly helpless. Um, and as a result, the film never reaches the heights it could. So you're watching it and you're like, ah, 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 it never gets there. That's a great sound. I know, because it's like you're just on the edge of your seat. It's like, come on, come on, come on, come on, like that every time because it's just so it's not. So the difference between, because Mad Max is very exciting all yeah. the way through, but yeah. it's never at its most exciting no. point. No, and it would be, it doesn't have to be at the end. It can have been at any point in the sure. film. It could have been at the beginning, but he's just not helpless at the beginning. He has to be helpless. Uh, and it, it, I, I honestly think that uh, George Miller probably thought he had made him helpless at the beginning. Right. Just the nature of it, because they blew up his car. Yeah. And so there's a sense of like, yeah, okay, maybe... They thought that, but they never really, they never really did it. Um, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm thinking of like, you know, 
the helplessness is the audience has to perceive them as helpless. Yeah. So in Die Hard, for example, when John McClane walks in and he, uh, against Hans at the end of the film yeah. and he's got the gun duct taped to his back, you don't know he's got the gun duct taped to his back. So he's helpless. And then when it pans around and he's duct taped, you go, oh, wow, how how brilliant is he? So it's only to us he has to be helpless. He, but we think he's helpless up until that yeah. point. So it's, And then it's the reversal, right? Uh, so... Mad Max needed to be helpless at some point uh, and the fact that he wasn't and the fact that Furiosa never was just undercuts the film I mean it's the big problem with the Dark Knight the mercy scene in the Dark Knight is really weak yeah I know see I know you mentioned that I think yeah it's really podcast. like I love the Dark Knight but like that's just a really weak scene it doesn't do you, th- do you think the Dark Knight covers that up better than no than I think Mad Max and Dark Knight are both such brilliant films that you forgive them having a weak cause right okay and that's the difference yeah you forgive it because it's the rest of it's so good but I, I look at them and I just think can you imagine what it would be like if they had a really good mercy scene I mean Khan Wrath of Khan uh, in Signing Instant and first act climax is halfway into the film mm. and it's the mercy scene and it's just excellent it's one of the greatest bits. It's like the best bit in Star Trek ever, <laughs> anywhere. And it's just brilliant. Like Khan shows up, or cripples the Enterprise. Kirk is completely helpless. How does Kirk get out of it? He uses his command codes to drop the Reliance shields and fire. I mean, it's just this great, great ten-minute scene uh, with Kirk on the bridge of the Enterprise, just like we surrender, you know. And they surrender to this guy, and it's like it turns out to be Khan. It's like Khan, you know. <laughs> it's like I wanted you to know who had beaten. It's like, uh, you know, and there's all these things like, if I give you the Genesis, you know, what, what, what's, uh, what do I have your word that, that, you know, how do I know you'll keep your word that you won't kill my crew? And he's like, I've given you no word to keep. It just seems you have no other choice, mm. you know? And it's just this great, fantastic scene and Kirk turns the tables and uh, manages to, you know, limp away. And this is excellent. This is halfway through the movie. Halfway through the movie. And then the climax isn't a mercy scene. The climax is more heartbreaking because uh, Spark dies. Yeah. Uh, So instead of it being as exciting, it's more moving, right? The end. Uh, But the most exciting bit happened halfway through the film. And it's fine because the first 40 minutes, there's no action at all. Mm. It's very slow. So it's just one of those things where it's like these scenes are the reasons you go (laughs) go for these stories at all. And it's what they're building up to. And when they happen, then it's what the rest of the film pays off. And so when Mad Max and The Dark Knight have weak ones, the fact that they're so good, you forgive the fact that they don't have these scenes. Yeah. And then Gone Girl is one of those rare exceptions, same with The Night Of, where they don't have that core scene, but they manage to get away with it anyway because it plays into the controlling idea of the story anyway. Like that manipulation of the form expresses what, what it is they're trying to tell. So in that sense, it's unconventional. But it, what, what it's doing is it's using, you know, in Gone Girl's case, it's using the desire you have for the exposure of the criminals to point out, guess what? They don't get exposed. Yeah. That's the point, right? Yeah. Um, and in order to make you satisfied with that, it has to give you everything. It can't just hide. It can't, it can't be like the pledge where it's just like, oh, I couldn't be bothered to come up with who the villain was. So I won't have him show up. This one's like, no this is a great crime, this is this, this is this, this is this, everything's there, but now it's going to go a different way. That's great. Okay. Yes. Should we start wrapping this up then? Yes. Um, then give me your thoughts on, I only made a few notes this time because it was all fairly focused for once. Well done. Yes. Well done. Yes. Um, but yeah, just some some brief thoughts if we can sum up, um, if we can sum up core events then. Uh, the, the reason to write in a genre is that core event yeah the core event is the reason to write for that genre and um, the examples uh, and basically if you have a bad or absent core event um, chances are most of the time it will just be unsatisfying um, even if it's really great there'll be a little moment of eh in yeah. there uh, or if if you can work out that there's something you can gain by not doing it, um, in the case of Gone Girl, then uh, you can sort of 
realize that, that but it's the point the, the reason it's okay the, it's just you have to realize like this is what the core event is this is why you write in that genre and so if you're not going to actually give us a good core event you've really got to have a good reason for it yeah. like John Carter has three weak mercy scenes but that's to set up the big one yeah so that works fine too Think there's of, no one way of doing it yeah it can happen at the beginning the middle like as I said like Fracture opens with the core event Khan has it happen halfway through um, and then other films have it happen at the end and some of them don't even do it at all it's just a question of knowing what it is you're doing and why you're doing it and that you're getting more by being unconventional than as it were than uh, yeah you, know, you have to gain something yeah. from, yeah. from removing it you have to know the difference between convention and cliche yeah right convention is this is the thing you do for this reason cliche is you do it this way right? There's, don't do the cliche don't do the cliche of oh I have to expose the criminal that's wrong like if you've written a story and you think it's working and you haven't exposed the criminal that doesn't necessarily mean it's not working maybe that's it's not necessarily a mistake yeah. it might work on the other hand it might mean that the reason you haven't exposed the criminal is that you're working in a completely different well, genre it comes back to this idea of choice writers forget that they have choices yeah you know this isn't a rule you don't it's not a blueprint or a formula or anything you you don't have to put this scene in but understand that the audience expects it and if you don't put it in have a good reason yeah you you pick the end goal yeah so you get to choose what tools you use to accomplish that there we go and then you and you just have to be fair with your audience and not lie to them and not make them sit through stuff that isn't worth it like if you're going to have someone sit down and watch a film that takes three hours it's got to be worth the three hours you're telling right if it's not worth those three hours then why are you making us sit down for three hours there's that kind of thing right it's just like you know if you're going to tell us hey it's a crime story and you're not going to give us a crime well what's the point then? do you know what I mean mm. it's like you've got you've just got to respect your audience they've sat down they're giving you their time they're giving you their money you've got to make it worth their time and money and that, but that doesn't mean you have to make it worth the time money by just satisfying them on a base level of like here's cliche, cliche, cliche. Because that, what's the, you don't need to do that either. So it's just you get to pick what you're doing. You do it properly. You master your form. You learn the conventions, and then that way you have choices. Yeah. If you don't do that, you don't have choices. You're working on instinct. You're working on cliche, and you will not make choices. You'll just react. You'll, you'll see a whole bunch of films acting a certain way and you'll go, I'm just going to do the opposite and you won't understand why they're working that way and then you'll make something that's just painful for people to put up with. <laughs> like so, The Pledge. Like The Pledge. Oh, so disappointing. Excellent. I, I think that covers the points that were worth yeah. uh, mentioning. Yeah, so Gone Girl's so. great. Gone Girl but you don't need fantastic. to watch it now because we told you everything about it. <laughs> it was really good though. Yeah. We okay. good? I think so. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Uh, and oh no! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Twitter. That was it. Twitter. You Twitter. Could tweet us. Yeah, at the Story Toolkit, <laughs> at Lucius Malcolm, at Basim Story. Yeah. Hope to hear from you. Thank you for listening. Go to the WordPress site and see all the contact buttons. Yeah. Okay. Let's do.